0: Everyone and welcome to the podcast. I'm Carolyn Copper, professional photographer, artist, retired federal government executive, PhD psychologist, wildlife professional, author, and creator. I've been busy. If you're tuning in for the first time or for the first time in a while, the focus of my podcast is information that I share on my free website blog. My website blog covers a lot of what I do, see, and encounter as a photographer. It's a place where you can learn about wildlife rehabilitation and protection, land conservation, environmental stewardship, great places or opportunities to photograph wildlife and nature, and you can learn about the inspiring and diverse people that I get to meet. You'll find my blog from your favorite web browser by navigating to my website www.copperrangellc.com. From there, click blog, which appears along the top of the landing page from my website. If you access my site on a mobile device, click the three line menu icon, which is usually in the upper right. Also on my website, copperrangellc.com, you can view all my images, you can learn about me, and you can keep up with my art show schedule. So at my art shows, you'll find my work for purchase. It's a great way to shop my photography in person, chat, meet me. You can also shop safely and easily online. Just click the buy icon on any photo And you'll be on your way to an easy and safe shopping experience. And you can join the ranks of my collectors. If you're not looking to buy yet, I still hope you'll stop by my website. You'll find great free content and stunning photography. So today's podcast is titled, Sustaining Generational Respect for Wild Places. Today, I'm talking with Isaac James Baker. I got to know Isaac through Instagram of all places. You know, the more he posted, the more I wanted to know. Isaac has worked as a newspaper reporter, freelance writer, and editor. He has a master's degree in fiction writing. He reviews wines for an award-winning wine blog and is an author for the Good Men Project. Among things we'll talk about, Isaac, in his own words, is a newbie and constant learner wildlife photographer, and he posts his wildlife shots and sightings on Instagram, which include great birds, coyotes, and other species. Isaac actually calls coyotes his homies, and he's taken and posted some really nice shots of coyotes. Isaac lives around the metropolitan Washington, D.C. area, and we've been following each other on Instagram for a while. In the nine-to-five world, working world, Isaac is a journalist. He's currently a communications specialist for the Federal Election Commission. And so what is the Federal Election Commission? It's an independent regulatory agency that protects the integrity of the federal campaign finance process by providing transparency and fairly enforcing and administering federal campaign finance laws, an important organization. But Isaac comes from a long line of outdoor lovers, including his mother who was the first woman to surf in his local New Jersey town. As a young boy, Isaac also spent several years in Ukraine during a different but also a difficult time in that country's history. That experience actually helped him develop an appreciation for wild canids. Canids include dogs, foxes, coyotes, and wolves. You know, love, enjoyment, and respect for the outdoors were instilled in him young, and he's living a life that celebrates in many ways what nature provides us. The ability to be active in the outdoors actually helped Isaac overcome some pretty dark times in his personal life, and Isaac is going to share some things from a darker and very difficult time in his life. Isaac is conscious about passing the generational respect for nature onto his daughter. So today I'm talking with Isaac about a lot of topics, including his love of nature, sustaining generational respect for our wild places, his years in Ukraine against the backdrop of today's violence in that country, his project to document the hundreds of miles of hiking trails in Shenandoah National Park, things on his wildlife photography wish list, and much more. Welcome, Isaac. Wow, I just covered a lot of stuff that you have been involved in. You are active in a lot of outdoor endeavors. You actually surf, hike, mountain climbing, wildlife photography. How did all of that get started?
1: Thanks so much for having me, Carolyn. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, that intro sums things up uh, quite well. I have a lot of uh, outdoor hobbies. Uh, the love of the ocean is definitely where it started. I was born on a little beach bum town on the Jersey Shore, and my mom actually gave birth to me um, at home two blocks from the ocean, and she had been swimming laps in the sea on a daily basis until just a few days before I was born. I like to think that um, little in utero uh, me, already had the ocean stoke. I can't remember a time when I wasn't at the beach or obsessed with waves. I grew up with the most supportive ma, and she taught me to play in the waves and swim, took me surfing as a toddler, and would prop me up on the front of her board. Uh, looking back, I just thought that was so cool because a lot of outdoor passions for boys tend to be passed down patrilineally, right? So I love that my ma was the one who taught me how to surf, and at the time and place, that was... You know, like pretty unheard of. I was at the beach every day as a kid, from the hot summer days to the cold, crazy ones. but the best days were the wave uh, ones where the waves would just get massive and you know, watching the chaos of it all from the beach as a kid. I told myself I would surf those one days, you know, those nor'easter and hurricane storms. Uh, and to this day, you know, I, I do and I still I still do. Uh, and I send my ma pictures and detailed reports when it all comes together. I don't think she thought um, that it would have such a huge impact on me when she taught me how to surf, that it would be like a lifelong passion. But I know she's stoked on how far I've taken it. Hiking was passed on to me from my parents as well, and they got it from their parents. Uh, Looking back, I'm sort of amazed at the extent of which my parents took me hiking and camping, like all over the East Coast and different sections of the Appalachian Trail and a bunch of different states. And I always thought that was really awesome. To this day, I like finding remote kind of off-trail summits and scrambles, the things that get me really excited. Uh, I pushed the limits of what I can do without technical rock climbing gear and experience for for quite a while and uh, once I had a daughter, I started taking uh, my outdoor endeavors and safety and uh, all that mo- much more seriously. So um, I've taken you know climbing classes and quickly became obsessed, which is kind of a theme for me. Been awesome climbing later in life though and learning from a lot of younger people, which is awesome. I love that dynamic and I feel like climbers are such a welcoming community. Wildlife photography is also a new endeavor for me, and I'm definitely a lifer now as well. I've always loved photography, but I'm not great with gear, and I didn't know where to start. That's when a good friend uh, took me under his wing and mentored me, loaned me gear, and gave me tips. Endless thanks to Seth Horsmeyer, an incredible photographer, uh, because he's given me such a window into just immeasurable joy. Um, wildlife photography has such a different effect on me than like other outdoor endeavors. Um, because I feel like if I go surfing or if I go climbing, I have an objective in mind. And if I don't actually achieve it, I get a little frustrated, you know, but if I go wander around in the woods looking for animals with a camera and, you know, maybe I miss a few shots or maybe I don't even take a single photo, I still come back stoked in a way um that just puts me in a better mental state just from wandering around in nature and looking at it, you know. So I feel like a decent animal or bird shot is just icing on the cake and the whole process for wildlife photography is just to enjoy and respect the nature around you and just be in it in that moment.
0: That's a great story about how your mom inspired your love of surfing and certainly your parents inspired your your love and your appreciation for the outdoors. Yes. um, Seth Horsmeyer, who I also follow, we follow each other on Instagram. He's also a a photographer in the area. And that's great to hear how he um, inspired, you know, your appreciation for wildlife photography. And I couldn't agree more about, you know, being outside as a wildlife photographer. I mean, for me, you know, I think it's important that we uh, share information about what is out there in the world that we're sharing the world with and we make others aware and help them understand, um, you know, we're not the only ones here that are uh, trying to get by day to day, but there's a lot more to this environment and this planet than a lot of times folks know. So I love being able to be outdoors uh, with my camera and help others understand, you know, who else is out, is out there with us. So, um, Kind of shifting gears here a little bit. Shortly after, um, Isaac, shortly after the Russia's February 24th invasion of Ukraine, you shared a photo on on your Instagram feed from Kyiv, Ukraine. It was taken in 1995. That photo showed you, you described the photo as showing you, your siblings, and other children playing on overturned military tanks. In that post on Instagram, you said, your heart was breaking for the people of my former home who showed me so much grace and hospitality so how did those years living in Ukraine influence you?
1: I really can't like imagine what the Ukrainian people have been going through even you know talking with them and um, constantly reading keeping my eye on the daily news this war just still seems otherworldly to me. Like, it can't be real, and that's, you know, being so far uh, removed uh, from it. But, uh, you know, I moved to Ukraine when I was a 12-year-old with my family, and uh, it was a massive, like, cultural shock. Like, the city of Kiev was a really rough place uh, back in 1995, and it wasn't easy for an American kid to, you know, like, camouflage in. So I spent a lot of time, you know, alone or with my siblings, you know, just kind of roam around and befriending, you know, feral street dogs who would, like, roam the neighborhood. Um, But so many Ukrainians uh, took uh, us under their wing and taught me a whole lot. Um, it, It blew me away, like, how kind and content these people were. You know, their currency was almost worthless, and things just seemed so generally dire. And when I came back to the States a few years later, my family stayed on. You know, I just saw so much excess and how people would complain about little stuff when they had so much, and uh, it made me feel really uncomfortable, and and that's something that I try to remember, um, that Ukrainian, like, spirit of grit and generosity and and thankfulness, you know, whenever I find myself, like, angry about something really ridiculous. Um, You know, and I, I know that same spirit, you know, sustains Ukrainians today as they face this war and all this indiscriminate violence against civilians and just cities destroyed, you know, it's such a rich and awesome like country uh, full of people who, you know, really don't want war, you know, they've seen enough of it, but they'll do anything to defend their families. And, you know, I have such deep respect for Ukrainian people um, and, you know, hoping I can give back, some of of what they gave me. Um, you know, I know they'll be like victorious, whatever whatever that means, but I, I just wish no one else had to suffer anymore because it's it's already the level of suffering has, has just been obscene.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Isaac. That's a really unique experience and a, an important perspective that you bring. You know sometimes when our view and experiences in life are narrow, we kind of lose the ability to see things outside of our own circle, and seeing things outside of our circle is what provides perspective. So, you know, for those of us that have traveled and been exposed to different cultures or ways of life, it, it does put our own experiences, our lifestyles, and values in perspective. You know, in terms of current events in Ukraine, yeah, it's, it's um, incredibly tragic, and much of the world appears eager to see an end to the destruction and the killing. That's happening there. Isaac, speaking of things on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, you review wines for an award-winning wine blog. Your interest in wine started on the other side of the Atlantic. How did that get started?
1: Yeah, so my family moved around a bit, and I ended up at a boarding school in southwest Germany for a few years as a teenager, and I took a few trips to Alsace, France, where I was just blown away by the landscapes and architecture, and I ended up walking around some steep vineyards and went into a cafe afterwards or asked the dude, like, hey, do you have any wine from the vineyards up there? And of course they did, and it was a Riesling, which tastes like, you know, peach nectar and sugar and honey and just all things delicious, and something just clicked And it's that connection between like a specific site and the, you know, smells and tastes and experience you get from drinking a wine from a particular place that I find endlessly fascinating, right? So I I went full into it, took classes, went on wine trips to California, Madeira, Portugal, uh, South Africa. Uh, You know, great wines tend to be grown in really gorgeous areas, So it's a great excuse to get out and see some super gnarly country. I developed some, um, you know, wine tasting groups and friends and studied wine and worked as a sommelier for a bit and thought I'd make a career out of it, but you know, I didn't. And it's still been a wonderful journey. And I feel like wine offers that to those who can explore it. Um, and I love to share my, uh, Knowledge uh, with those who may not feel like uh, maybe they feel intimidated at first uh, by the snobbery or money behind it. You know, I just forget that crap, right? Like, wine is an an agricultural product, you know, like made by farmers for human enjoyment, period. So um, that's what I'm all about.
0: Forget that crap is probably good advice for a lot of things. You know, traveling around to review and taste wine sounds like a nice way to spend some time. So Isaac has a blog, um, which you can get the link on my website blog, um, but it's isaacjamesbaker.blogspot.com where you can find his wine reviews uh, as well as his wine blog. He also reviews for a wine, an award-winning wine blog, and I have a link in my blog post on this issue. And I'm going to just spell the name because I don't know how to pronounce this without it sounding like terrorist So the wine blog, the other wine blog that Isaac reviews for is spelled T-E-R-R-O-I-R-I-S-T. And for wine aficionados, that means something. So again, Isaac, we're going to change gears a little bit. So for our next question, you know, if folks were to search you out on the internet, which a lot of folks are doing these days, they'd easily find that like many of us at one point in your life you experienced some dangerous and pretty traumatic events. You've actually written and published about some of these very dark times in your life. You know, now that you're on the other side of that, how has your perspective changed? And how has the ability to get outdoors and enjoy the outdoors helped you?
1: Going on outdoor adventures is directly linked to my well-being, and I'm I'm privileged, um, to be healthy and functioning enough to, to do that. I mean, that, that wasn't always the case. Um, about 12 years ago or so I found myself in a hospital and I was, I was pretty close to, to death. Um, basically an end result of, you know, periods of, uh, months or years where I treated my body really terribly. Um, you know, untreated depression, anxiety and suicidal ideation and, all that kind of stuff boiled over and just epic self-destructive fashion. And I stopped eating and sleeping and just ended up in a specialized psychiatric ward for people with eating disorders because, um, you know, I mean, I weighed just so, such a sh- small amount. They basically had to refeed me because I was, I was really malnourished and, and couldn't digest food normally. Um, So yeah, I mean, when I was in there, I was terribly weak and in the worst state of my life and I just felt really pathetic and wondering how I got myself into this mess. And I remember making a, what seemed a fantastic promise to myself that I would get better and get back out and surf 10 foot waves again. It seemed so unreal Um, but you know, whenever I find myself slipping back into that, like kind of dark depressive space, you know, I, I know there's some waves out there, some rocks, some birds, you know, if I just go out there looking for them, um, I can find my way back on track if I ever am in that place again.
0: Isaac, many congratulations on overcoming those past challenges and real hazards that you went through earlier in your life. You know, it's less common to hear about males experiencing eating disorders, and no doubt you sharing that experience has probably helped others. You know, it's obvious that you now understand the importance of self-care or that you understand it maybe in a new way, and that along with all the other things that all of us always feel like we have to do in life, self-care must be one of those. When I look through your Instagram posts, it's exactly what your profile says you're about. Nature, waves, metal, wine, etc. One exception is that you periodically post about your daughter. You know, maybe when you next update your profile, you'll add dad.
1: Yeah, I'm stoked on a a lot of things in life, but being a dad is the title I'm most proud of, which is weird because I grew up never thinking I'd have a kid, but as we age, you know, we all... Change And now my soon-to-be seven-year-old just keeps me going, you know, always tired but deeply happy. And I'm always learning new stuff and relearning old stuff through her eyes. And I, I'm sure other parents can relate.
0: You've mentioned generational respect for our natural places, wild places. How are you trying to pass that on and sustain that?
1: I do get, you know, quite depressed sometimes, focusing on the state of, like, local ecosystems and you know, ecosystems at large. And I worry that my daughter's generation won't have the same opportunities that I've had to see somewhat healthy natural spaces and animals somewhat thriving. You know, I'm a polluter myself, as we all are, and we all have an impact um, on our world when we're out in the woods. And so I struggle with that dynamic a lot. I think about uh, those of us who adventure outdoors And I think we have a duty to follow, you know, basic no trace principles for sure, but, you know, also to go above and beyond and try to clean up, whether it's, you know, invasive plant removals or replanting. And I think cleanups are really important. You know, there's nothing worse than coming across some litter in the mountains or seeing some like plastic bag in a bird's nest or something, you know, or like plastic bottles clogging waterways. My daughter and I go on like, she calls them trash picker upper days and we count how many different species of birds we can see as we're picking up trash it's kind of sad but you know at the same time she loves it and insists that we go out uh, on them all the time and if it's been too long she'll she'll bring it up and say hey dad you know we got to go on a trash picker upper day um, and whether you do that you know in like your neighborhood or your local park or trail or climbing area you know it's it's great stuff and um, it's going to be uh, sadly you know, more necessary um, going forward.
0: Okay, so now I wish that I would have named this podcast episode Trash Picker Upper Days. I love that. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you to both you and your daughter for going out and trying to leave no trace and picking up trash. That's very important. It's a terrific example, beautiful example, Isaac, of how you are working to sustain generational respect for our natural and our Wild places. Keep up the great work. So, Isaac, you started a project in 2020 to hike and document every mile of every trail in Shenandoah National Park. Shenandoah National Park is uh, about 75 miles from DC and has over 500 miles of trails. So, that's an ambitious project. <laughs> How is this project coming along? Do you plan to publish about it? And, you know, you must be seeing some incredible scenery during these hikes. And, some wildlife encounters tell us about it
1: so the Shenandoah goal started when I was talking with my mom a few years ago about which trails we hiked when I was young and when and you know sure we had some cool family pictures but besides a few peaks and camping areas no one like really knew where we had been and I hadn't been keeping track of my own excursions up until that point so I decided you know let's just start over from scratch um it's taken a lot longer than I thought <laughs> because the further I get into it uh, the harder it is to cover a lot of miles of a new trail without like backtracking or needing to hike like eight miles in just to do like a two mile spur that I missed or something like that uh, I do most of it alone and always start well before sunrise to make the most of that solo time and you know just be alone with my thoughts in the in the woods um, I don't bring my camera, on that project. Cause I'm usually doing about 18 or you know 25 miles in a day and traveling as lightly as possible. Um, but in a sense, I think that makes the wildlife encounters I've had there all the more special. Um, I remember getting sniffed out by a curious black bear last year who came, uh, out of extremely dense fog to scope me out. And I remember thinking, you know, if I had lugged my camera 10 miles up here in the dark and the fog and the rain, like, there's no way I would be able to capture uh, any percentage of the awesomeness, right, of that moment. And it it really felt good, actually, that I didn't have to bother trying. (laughs) I was thinking of, like, you know, what my ISO settings would be. And, you know, there's no chance that I would have had a decent shot anyways. And the same thing with uh, the time I saw Bobcat. Um, it had passed like a waterfall area and across the trail in front of me and it didn't actually see me for maybe two seconds. And then it paused and looked right at me. Um, and a few seconds later, it just walked away, uh, behind this big boulder. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to be able to watch this bobcat head up this hill, see where it goes, you know, follow its tracks, um but it just straight up disappeared. I mean, there was no visible hole behind the rock. I, I just looked around and I, it was just like a magic trick. I mean, it was there one minute and it was just completely gone the next and just such an incredible spirit experience that, you know, again, if I had a camera, I couldn't have photographed it if I tried. Um, but for that brief time where we shared that gaze, you know, that, that, that's priceless stuff that I'll never forget.
0: Bobcats and bears are on my list. Um, They're beautiful, beautiful wildlife, difficult to find out in the wild. So good luck with the project, Isaac. It sounds terrific. So for our last, uh, the last question for today's podcast, do you have uh, places or wildlife on your travel or photography wish list?
1: I mean, my bucket list for wildlife and spots to visit is like as long as the day. (laughs) Um, I have so many places. But you know, as as much as it is wonderful to dream about far off places, I think my heart is set most on the iconic like canines and felines of North America. Um, like being able to fo- photograph a mountain lion would would be on top of that list, um, respectfully and ethically, obviously. Uh, bobcats too. Uh, I think I'm drawn to these creatures because they are so darn challenging to find let alone photograph and you know probably will never happen but like that that notion is something that keeps me going and like to be able to view some gray wolves um you know without crowds and ethically is a life goal of mine uh, but in the meantime keeping up with uh, coyotes because i love those animals like so dang much and uh they're my homies
0: coyotes are my homies that would have been another great title for this podcast So you have some terrific photographs of coyotes, so you can check that one off your bucket list. And, um, you know, those kind of photography moments where you found the animal and you're the only one there are so special. So those moments do happen, and I am sure that the coyote, wolf, or bobcat will come across your path one day. You've accomplished a lot of things in life, Isaac, and I'm sure you're going to see that one come to pass as well. Thank you, Isaac, for joining the podcast today. You know, for all the bashing that social media sometimes gets, there's also an upside. There is an upside. You know, it represents kind of a community where we can learn, share, get inspired by others. You know, and I'm glad that our paths crossed in the digital world. Thank you for the ways that you celebrate and enjoy our wild places and inspiring your daughter in that way. That's terrific. I have several links on my blog where you can find and follow Isaac please stop by my website, www.copperangellc.com to read the free blog and download free podcasts like this one. Sign up to view my portfolio and see where you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.